Well, good morning. Oh, come on. You can do so much better than that. Good morning. We are so glad that you're here today, and today we're going to continue in our series, Getting the Story Straight. And as we've gone through this series, hopefully what we've recognized is that Jesus has a standard of way of living for those who call themselves followers of Jesus. In fact, he used the phrase salt and light in Matthew chapter 5, that we are the salt of the earth, that we are the light of the world. And if we are salt and we are light, there is a standard with which he wants us to live by. And so in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and now into 7, there's a standard he gives us, and he talks about several different topics. He talks about things like anger. He talks about divorce. He talks about lust. He talks about oaths that we take. He talks about something crazy like loving your enemies. I mean, Jesus covers a lot of different topics. And in fact, the one we've talked about the last two weeks, which was very personal and maybe made some of us feel uncomfortable, was he talks about money. And I want you to know this. Jesus talked about money and hell more than any other two things. Why? Because both are crucially important. And hopefully the last couple weeks, here was the takeaway you walked away with. Number one was this, is that everything we have belongs to God. Amen? Amen. It's not yours. In fact, we are not owners of anything. We are only managers of what God has allowed us to steward in our lives. And hopefully we also realize this, is that because God knows our heart, God knows that money and God alone are fighting for the throne of our life. And so God implemented way back in the Old Testament this idea of giving. Because if we give and we honor the Lord with the tithe, then somehow we will allow God to sit on the throne of our life and not let money reign and rule in our heart and our life. And so last couple weeks I've challenged you, especially those of you that are believers, that that you need to be making sure giving is a part of your life. That is the way God has established to keep our heart into check. And that we're to give to the storehouse, the local church. And I said, if you're not giving anything, start somewhere. And if you're giving randomly, you that random, you know, I got $5 in my pocket, I'll throw it in. Be a percentage giver. Work toward a 10% obedience of giving. And then if you're a tither, a 10% giver, we were challenged with Luke 12 about being rich toward the things of God. And so if you, if you were here those weeks, you heard that challenge. If you weren't here, you're going to notice at the end of each one of your rows because I ask you to take that commitment and raise the bar with that commitment. At the end of each row, there's like an envelope of a pledge card. And what we asked last week was this. Those that are members of this church, this East Campus, are believe that this is their home where God has called them to serve and join arms with us to reach our community. We ask you to make that pledge and put it on a card and put it in the offering basket. And here's why we did that. One is only one person on the OV campus is going to know. I'm going to never know who or what. That's, that's not my thing. And I'm never going to know that. But we ask you to do it for two reasons. Number one, it's a great form of accountability. When I put my name on paper and said, this is what I'm going to give to the Lord this year, it moves from good intentions of my heart to a real commitment, right? When you sign your name on your house note, did you decide, you know, maybe next month I'll just think that's optional, right? You don't think that because eventually they come take your house away from you, right? And so the same thing's true in our, our, our response to the Lord is that we want to make sure that we move from attention to commitment. And second of all, when we make that pledge card, when we put our pledge down, we're saying, Lord, I am, I am partnering with you and your kingdom work. 
financially. I'm giving back to you. So if you didn't do that and you're here and you're a member and, and you're, or you say this is my home, at the end of one of those rows and you can just elbow the person beside you and say, hey, hand me that envelope at the end of the thing and you can drop it in there later this, this afternoon, or late, I mean later in the service when, when the offering plate passes. Now, today we're going to talk about a topic that I believe is extraordinarily controversial because it's a topic that we all have opinions on, we all have biases on, and we all, when I say, when I actually say the phrase, many of you are going to back up and go, yeah, that's something I don't really want to touch or really even talk about. And here's the thing that Jesus addresses today. He addresses the idea of judging others. Now, how many of you ever heard this phrase? We are not to judge. Anybody ever heard that one? Come on, let me see your hands. Come on. Okay. All right, good. All right, so then when we think about this, and I want you to turn to Matthew 7, because that's where we're going to be today, because when we talk about judging, we all have some bent up biases and opinions. We all have our thoughts, and let's be honest, if you're like Doug, I'm pretty convinced that my thoughts are right thoughts because they are my thoughts, right? And so I'm kind of sold on the way I think, but here's the thing about it is, we need to go to what Jesus says, right? We need to look at what Jesus says, and we need to get the story straight on this topic of judging other people. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew 7 is we're going to be, but before we get into Matthew 7, what I want to do is I want to kind of illustrate the idea of judging with these two stools up here. Because when you think about judging, you can put it into two categories. There's the stool of the judge, right? The one casting judgment. And then there's the stool of who? The one being judged, right? So for example, many of us have found ourselves in times of life setting in this stool right here. Now the interesting thing about this stool here is we are looking at a situation or maybe a person's life. And when you sit in this seat, it's kind of powerful, isn't it? Because when you sit in the seat, you're making discernments about somebody else's life, about the way somebody else is living. And so when you sit in the seat, you begin to think about, okay, here's what I think needs to be done, and this needs to be acted on right now. So when you sit in the seat of a judge, you make discernments, and you think it needs to be acted on, much like a judge in the court of law, right? So many of us feel that way. Now, the interesting thing is this, that for some of you, when I talk about setting the seeds of judging other people and casting judgments, making discernments, there's many of you in the room that there's a part of you that wants to go like this. Yes, right? Because you love this seat. I mean, there's a few people I've met in my life that love confrontation. I mean, they're all about it. I mean, they're the ones that will run into the, the building of confrontation because they're right, they've made their discernments, and they want to act on the judgments they've made. Now, there's some of you on the flip side of that. When I talk about setting the seas of judging others, your first response is this. I don't want to have anything to do with that seat. Because at the end of the day, here's the conclusion you've all come to that on the other side of the coin is, it's none of my what? Business. Here's what I would contend. Neither response is biblical. Neither. So this is the seat of the judge. Then you have the seat of the one being judged. Now, is this a comfortable seat? Anybody ever been judged before? Nobody raised their hand. Come on. Anybody been judged before? Yes. You know what it feels like. And the thing about it is, when you sit in this seat, it's kind of this idea of, you know what? You sit there and people judge you. And, you, and maybe they judge you because of the way you dress. You've all experienced that before, maybe. Maybe they judge you because of the color of your skin. You may have experienced that before. Maybe they judge you because, of this. I love this one, the way you parent. Anybody ever had that one happen? I remember one time I was in a circle of what I thought was trusted people, and, um, and I was sharing about, you know, signing out the way we discipline, because everybody wants to know what pastors do, and we just said, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. Now, if you're a child, you're like, yeah, spare the rod, 
spoil the child, right? And I'm like, that's not what was intended. So we spanked our kids. Now, like I told you a couple weeks ago, in a loving way, my oldest, James, you know, the first, first few times when he was like two and three, I spanked him. He looked me in the eye and says, well, that didn't hurt. And so then I started going for distance. And so after that, he kind of stopped that. But I remember talking about, you know, our way of disciplining. And I can remember it being in a room with what I thought was trusted people. And they looked at me like, oh, you're one of those parents. You ever had one of those? The way you treat your kids or discipline your kids. People look at you and go, oh, you're one of those parents. Now, you know one of the worst judgments I think most people feel? Is when people judge you about your past as if your past defines the rest of your life. You ever felt that one? See, here's the worst thing about being in this seat. You never get to plead your case, do you? You never get to tell your story. Because when you're in this seat, there's a part of you that goes, man, if I could just tell my story, maybe they would cut me some slack. But you never get that opportunity, do you, when you feel judged? Now, interestingly enough, here's what I know out of 28 years of ministry about people who sit in this seat. When you judge them in a condemning way, never, everybody say never, Never does your judging want to make them change and want to make, it wants to make them run or retaliate. Now, why am I painting this picture? Because as believers, we got to get the story straight. As salt and light, we got to realize when is the time to be in this seat and what about the people that are in this seat? Because this seat is very uncomfortable. This is a seat nobody wants to sit in. But haven't we all sat here before? Haven't we all felt inadequate? Haven't we all felt like people are looking at us like, oh, you're one of those kinds of people? And we never got to plead our story. And we never got to share our heart about things. And when we were judged in a condemning way, all we wanted to do was run and maybe even some of us that bow up, we want to retaliate, Right? So we got to get the story straight. Matthew chapter 7, here we go. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, read this. Or 1 through 6, read this. Judge not that you may not be judged. For the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw to your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Now in this passage, listen, the reason you have no points in your listening guide is because I want you to hear the tenor of what Jesus is saying. I want us just to walk through every single verse in this passage, and let's paint a picture of what Jesus is talking about. Because when it comes to judging other people, Jesus is very clear. Here's the first thing he says in verse 1. Judge not unless you be judged. Judge not that you may not be judged. Now, some of you go, okay, let's just close our Bibles and let's go home. Right? I mean, Jesus cleared. I mean, if you just took that one verse, here would be the conclusion you come to. Jesus says that we are to never judge others. Wouldn't you agree with that? That's, what, that's kind of what it says there. However, that's taking it out of context. In fact, if Jesus just meant we're never to judge other people, or let me put it a different way, to make judgment calls about different things, he wouldn't have given us the next five verses. He would have just made a statement like, blessed are the poor in spirit, and then just moved on from there. But he doesn't. He talks about this topic. And the point is this, is that if you just think of this, okay, judge not so that I won't be judged, that means I'm never to judge anybody. You're taking Scripture out of context. Now, I want to remind you that all of, most of chapter 5, all of 6, and all of 7 are to be read in light of Matthew 5, verse 20. Listen to what it says. You remember this from a couple weeks ago. 
Jesus said this way, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now look, that one verse is the tone for the rest of the Sermon on the Mount because the rest of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus paralleling the way the, the Pharisees lived and how we are to be different. That's why he says, love your enemies. Why? Because the Pharisees weren't. That's why he talked about keeping our vows. Why? Because the Pharisees weren't. That's why Jesus talked about money and, and worry. I mean, why? Because there's a, there's a righteousness of the Pharisees that was wrong. And Jesus says, I want you to live differently. So when you look at this passage, judge not lest you be judged, you can't take it out of context because this verse is generated from Matthew 5.20. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Now, why would Jesus say that? It's because if you read the Gospels, here's one thing you know over and over and over again. How did the Pharisees make judgment calls about people? Were they loving? Were they considerate? Were they compassionate? Or were they harsh, abrasive, and condemning? They were harsh, abrasive, and condemning. Absolutely, right? That's how they operated. And Jesus says, listen, I want the way you make judgment calls to be different from the Pharisees. Then he goes on, he says this in verse 2. Here we go. Verse 2, he says this. He says, for with the judgment you pronounce or use, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, to you. In other words, Jesus says the way that you judge other people and the measuring stick that you use to judge other people is the same measuring stick and the same way that you too will be judged. Now, who's our judge as believers? Who's our judge? God's our judge, right? Now, think about that just for a minute. Here's what Jesus says. Judge not lest you be judged. In other words, I want your judgment calls to be better than the Pharisees. Theirs were unrighteous. They were ungodly. I want you to make Godly, righteous judgment calls. Now, for some of you in the room today, you're looking at this seat up here going, okay, that's none of my business. And I'm just telling you, you're wrong. You are wrong. That's not scriptural. That's not biblical. You can't just wash your hands of someone else's life that's going down a life of sin that you know and are close to. You can't just wash your hands and walk away and go, it's none of my business. You are just wrong in that mindset. And Jesus, he's not saying that. He's saying, I want your judgment calls to be better than the Pharisees. But just know this, the way you judge and the measure you use, that's how I'm going to judge you. Now think about that one. Come on, think about that. Think about ways that you've judged people in the past. What if God imposed that judgment to us in our life? Wouldn't that be a bit scary for some of us? Come on, haven't all, let's, come on, can we just be honest in the room? Anybody want to be honest this morning? How many of you have wrongfully made judgment calls about people before? Okay, I would raise everything if I could, right? I mean, we all have. So what if God judged us the way that we've judged other people? We're in trouble, that's right. Now here's the thing. What if, what if we did it God's way? Would it look differently? You better believe it. So I want you to think just for a minute. What are some ways that typically we judge other people? Let me do, I have, I have a list because I'm a list guy. And so here's some things I think about. Number one, I think we judge people presumptuously. We presume upon people. We hear a rumor about someone, and we presume it's what? It's true. Now, that is the most asinine thing I've ever heard in my life. But we do, right? I mean, we hear a rumor about someone, and our first thought in our flesh is, well, it's probably right. You know, they act that way all the time anyway. We presume. Or not only do we presume about rumors, we presume about motives. Like, we know why they did what they did. 
You know, you look at someone and there's maybe known sin in their life and you presume about why they did that. You know, like you know the motive behind. You know, who only knows, only God knows the motives of our heart, doesn't he? And we presume to know the motive. So we're, we, we judge presumptuously. Also, we judge hypocritically. Right? I don't know about you, but I'm quick to spot sin in everybody else's life. And I'm really slow to spot it in my life. You know why? Because I don't want to change, but I think you really ought to change. Aren't you the same way? I mean, I'm real quick to point it out in everybody else. I mean, come on. Everybody that's married in the room, did I just describe your marriage relationship? Come on, don't, you don't have to, you can just wink at me because I don't want to create any strife, strife in the marriage, okay? You just wink at me, you can kind of, you know, you know, that we're on the same page. But isn't that a lot of marriage sometimes? In fact, most times when I do marriage counseling, here's the first thing I tell marriage couples. When you have a disagreement or an argument, and in fact, I even teach how to fight fair when I do marriage counseling. I think that's important. It can grow the marriage. But here's what I always say. You've got to start with the one most important question when a disagreement happens. And here's the question. You ready? You might want to write this down. It's not related to text, but it's important. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Because when I'm doing marriage counseling, you know where everybody wants to start? With them. I want to start with Sonia because you know what? I know I'm, I'm pretty lovable. I don't know about her, but I know that I, I'm easy to live with. I'm very compliant. You know, I clean up after them. I mean, I want to start with them, not me, right? Same thing's true when judge people. We're hypocritical. I mean, I'm quick to spot sin in everybody else's life, but slow to spot it in my life. And most of us do that. We also judge hastily, right? We are quick to make judgments with no background. We are quick to make judgments, and we have no rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. We know none of the rest of it. We just hastily to make decisions, right? We, 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 we look at it, we think what we think, and then we make judgment calls based on it. And we judge hastily. Another way we judge is unfairly, right? We judge unfairly. Here's what I mean. We have no evidence of our assessments, and we base our assessments on bias, not fact. We make judgment calls on biasness. Now, in fact, let me give you one more thing that I think how we judge people. We judge people, and this is maybe the worst of all, unmercifully. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm not very forgiving. I'm not very great. I know it's hard to believe that, right? I, I'm not very gracious. I'm not very kind. And I think sometimes if we were to ask people that aren't in this room today, when we make judgment calls about things in your life, how do we do that? I bet you most people would say that many of us Judge people unmercifully. We are not gracious. We are not kind. We are not compassionate. Now, here's a question. Does any of those things I just mentioned sound like how Jesus judges us? Is he hasty? No. Is he merciless? No. Is he unfair? No, he's just, right? Is he hypocritical? <laughs> no. Is he presumptuous? Not at all. Now listen to me. When Jesus says, judge not unless you be judged, he's not saying, he says, you know, for the measure that you judge, you also be judged. He's not saying don't form an opinion. He's not saying don't make judgment calls. What he's saying is the measure you use when you judge people is the same measure you're going to be judged. So here's what we need to know. If that's the case, when we feel like we have to make judgment calls, we need to apply the golden rule. The golden rules in Matthew, 5, or Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, and it's this. Do unto others as what? Right. Matthew 7, 12. Let's read it just so you know it. Matthew 7, 12. So whatever you do to others that they would do to you, do also to them. So treat others the way you want to be what? Treated. 
Now he says, listen, judge not lest you be judged. You know, when you make judgment calls, don't make judgment calls the way the Pharisees made them, unrighteous. Make them in a righteous way. Make them in a godly way. But just know this, whatever measuring stick you use and whatever way that you choose to judge someone, that's how I'm going to judge you. And I'm just telling you, we will find ourselves at times needing to sit in this seat, and we'll get to that in a minute, needing to sit in the seat. And when we do it, we need to make sure we apply the golden rule and we do to others and treat others the way that we want to be treated. Amen? Now, Jesus goes on. He says this in verse 3. He kind of calls out the hypocrisy of the heart. He says, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Now, think about that for a minute. He, he, he kind of calls out the hypocrisy of the heart of men. He says, how is it that you can see the speck in your brother's eye but you don't see the log in your eye? Now, let's, let's just make that really real right now. Okay, let's just say I was walking around with a log in my eye, right? Which would be very, very painful, I would assume. How well is it going to be for me to see this speck out here, this toothpick? That's a, here, Elijah, hold this for me if you would. Okay, yeah, thank you. It's somewhere down the floor. All right, so if I'm walking around with a log in my eye, how well do I see Elijah's speck? Come on, how well would I see that? Come on, how well would I see that? Not well at all. In fact, I can't even really see Elijah that well, right? So what makes me think I can see the speck in his eye when I got a log dangling out of my... Do you see the craziness that Jesus is calling out in us? I know, I know we look at this and go, oh, that's just so silly. He's creating an imagery here. You got this hanging out, and you're focused on that. He's like, listen, how dare you form an opinion about somebody else when you've got this kind of sin hanging out in your life? Now, he's not saying their sin is small and our sin is big. What he's saying is you've got this kind of sin logging out of your life and you're focused on that one right over there. How can you even see it? Because you've got a log hanging out. It's ridiculous. And then he goes on and he says this. Look at the very next verse, verse 4. He says this. He said, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? So he starts off with, how in the world can you, can you deal with issues in their life and ignore the log in your life? And how in the world can you say, let me take the speck out of your eye when you have a log in your life? Now, let me just ask you this. Have you ever, ha have you ever had a, uh, an eyelash in your eye? Anybody ever had that? So let's just assume you had one day. Janet, let's assume you had an eyelash in your eye. And you said, man, my eye is killing me. And I said, would you want me with a log hanging on my eye to come get the eyelash out of your eye? Come on, anybody else want me to do that? Why would you not want me to do that? Yeah, it's not just about scratching the eye. I may gouge your eye out, right? Because I can't see well enough, and so I'm manipulating this thing. Because, I mean, isn't it, isn't it crazy how I'm logging around, with, uh, moving around with this log, acting like it's in my eye? But the point of that Jesus is saying is the same thing for us. We think we can address the issues in other people's life, and we're ignoring this the whole time. How foolish is that? Now listen to me. Does Jesus deny that there's a speck in someone else's eye? He doesn't, does he? He doesn't deny that they've got sin in their life. He doesn't do that. But he simply says this, how in the world can you address the sin in their life and ignore the sin that's in your life? But don't we do that all the time? And not only that, but how can you see it well enough to remove it when you've got this hanging out of your eyes. 
And so Jesus is like, you know, I'm not, he's, not, he's not denying that there's sin. He just like, it makes no sense to me that you would try to correct them when you've got this hanging out of your life. And then he makes this awesome statement in verse 5. He says this. This is his profound uh, moment, this crescendo moment when he says this. You what? Hypocrite. And, I, and I, can I just embellish a little bit? This is Doug's translation, so it's not in there probably. I think Jesus probably pointed his finger. Can I just say that? I think he said, you hypocrite. I mean, he's just to talk about the foolishness of how we try to address other people's issues and ignore the log hanging out of our eye. And knowing that, we try to go help people with their speck, but yet we got a log hanging out. It makes no sense. And he goes, you're just a hypocrite. But then he doesn't stop there. See, if Jesus had just stopped there, we could go back and say, you know, it's never our job to judge. But he doesn't stop there. Why? Because listen to this. At the end of the day, Elijah still has a speck in his eye, doesn't he? Come on, come on. Does he still have a speck in his eye? And let me ask you this question. Does this log in my eye need to be dealt with? Does a speck in his eye need to be dealt with? You better believe it. So Jesus doesn't stop. Look what he says in verse 5. He says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you, I love this, and then you will see how. Wow. Clearly. And to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now here's what Jesus is saying very clearly. Before we try to go help somebody else, before we try to deal with the issues that's in their life, we need to start with looking at our lives. And before I can help Elijah with the speck in his life, I need to remove the log from my life first. Right? Now, can I just say something that's, that's personal that I've noticed about me in my life? It may not be true of you, but it's true of me. I have found in my life, when I get really angry about the sin in somebody else's life, it's probably because there's a sin like that that's raging in my life that I don't want to deal with. And it's easier for me to get mad about their sin than to address my sin. I don't know if it's because sometimes I feel like if I get angry enough about their sin, somehow that appeases the fact that I've still got sin in my life. I don't know. But I know that there's been times in my life I have gotten so angry about somebody else's sin, and I think it's because really maybe there's something in my life going on that I'm just not willing to address. Do you ever feel that way sometimes? And so Jesus says this, listen, you got a log. It's got to be addressed. They got a speck. It's got to be addressed. Here's the plan. Take your log out first. Look at your life first, and then you can see clearly. See, now, Janet, if I don't have a log hanging in my eye, would you want me to help you with your eyelash? You know why? Because I can see. You know why? Because I understand. Because I just took a log out of my eye. I just took a log out of my eye, and I know the pain of that, so I'm going to be gentle when I go to Janet, because if that hurt my eye, I can't imagine what that's doing to her eye. So now that I've taken the log out, now I'm ready to help, because I see clearly. Do we understand? If you got that, say, I got that. I'm telling you, that's a huge moment in the story. Because here's the deal. If I go address Elijah Speck before removing the log, listen to this. This is huge. This is the most important part of today. If I go address his speck before removing the log in my life, I will go with the condemning spirit. But if I go to him after I take the log out of my eye, I will go with a kindness and a compassion and a mercy because I understand that I am the chief of sinners too. And I go with humility. So now when I go to Elijah, I'm not coming condemning. I'm coming with a heart that's loving, accepting, and embracing, and merciful. 
Do we see the difference? So you know what the Pharisees were doing? They were trying to fix it with a log hanging out. And Jesus says, here's what you're going to do with salt and light. Take the log out of your eye first, and then go help your brother or your sister. Now, there's two questions I want you to write down that I want us to answer today. As we look at this passage, there's two questions. Here's the first one. What is the heart of what Jesus is trying to communicate? What is the heart of what he's trying to communicate? And I've said it, but I want to repeat it. I want to get down to the nitty-gritty here. It's this. Unrighteous judging is condemned. Unrighteous judging is condemned. Here's what I mean. The Pharisee kind of way of judging. The holier-than-thou kind of judging. The judging that is hasty. The judging that's unmerciful. The judging that is unfair. The judging that is presumptuous. Unrighteous judging of other people is absolutely condemned. If you got that, say amen. Okay, you weren't convinced of that. If you got that, say amen. Now, you know why you were soft the first time? is because you're like, I kind of like being hasty. I kind of like being unfair. But I'm telling you, if we're going to do this thing right and we're going to do it God's way, we have to understand that unrighteous judging is condemned. It's not okay to be hasty. It's not okay to be unfair. It's not okay to be presumptuous. It's not okay to be those things or hypocritical. Unrighteous judging is condemned. Second thing I want you to know is this, is that righteous judging is necessary. Righteous judgment calls are necessary. Jesus never said the speck did not matter, did he? In fact, he came back at the end of verse 5 and says, after you've taken the log out of your eye, you can see clearly to go help and remove the speck out of their eye. The speck is still an issue. And I'm just telling you, listen to me, that righteous judgment calls is necessary in the life of a believer. It's our job. It's our responsibility. Sin cannot be overlooked. It can't be. Sin is not to be overlooked. Sin has to be dealt with. And if you know of a brother or sister in Christ that's deep into sin, it is your biblical responsibility as a follower of Jesus to go to them with love and kindness after removing the log out of your eye and go to them and help them with the speck that's in their eye. Let me qualify that. I'm not talking about going to someone because you heard a rumor. Okay. In fact, I, in ministry many times, and some of you have been in ministry or you've been in leadership, you know this. All the time you'll get people come up to you and say, hey, I need you to go talk to someone because they've done this. That's always a bad place to go because it didn't happen to me. I didn't see it. I didn't experience it. But when I read the Bible, Matthew 18, which we'll get to later on this year, Jesus has a very clear-cut way of how we're to go somebody. You go to them by yourself, and if that doesn't work, then you take somebody with you And if that doesn't work, you take them to the assembly, the church, or the gathering, and let them know. I mean, the clear cut is that as as, as followers of Jesus, we have biblical responsibilities to confront sin. If someone's hurt you, if someone's got sin in their life, and they're a brother or sister in Christ, and you know about it, not heard about it, but you know about it or you've seen it, it is our responsibility to go to them. And I know what you're thinking. I'd rather somebody else go. I know. I do too. But it's our responsibility. Can I just tell you some of the hardest, sweetest, most difficult, and most gone south moments in my life is being living this passage out? I've seen reconciliation in powerful ways, and I've seen people duck and run, and it breaks my heart. But at the end of the day, my responsibility is to obey my Heavenly Father. Amen? That's my job, my responsibility. So what is the the heart of what Jesus is trying to communicate? First of all, unrighteous judging is condemned. Secondly, righteous judgment calls are necessary. Judgment calls. Now, when I make judgment calls, righteous ones, are those condemning or are those loving? 
Do those come before I take the log out or after I take the log out? After. Don't miss that. Now, the second question I want you to ask is this. What is the blueprint for making godly judgment calls? What is Jesus' blueprint in making godly judgment calls? And you know this. We've just talked about it. First of all, take a look at my life. Take a look at me. When I see sin maybe in Elijah's heart, go, okay, why does this bother me so much? That I see this in his life. Or, you know, not only does it bother me so much, but do I have all the facts? I mean, I saw this happen, but do I, do, am I being hasty here or do I know it? And then second, then last of all, I look at it and go, okay, before I go to him, I need to do what? Take the log out of my life. You know why? Because I'm a sinner. I blow it. And before I go to him, I need to remove this from my eye so I can go to him. And now when I go to him, I'll go to him with compassion and love and kindness, not being condemning. That's the blueprint. Look at yourself first. Secondly, then go to your brother or sister in Christ. Now, I wrote this little note down in my notes here because it's important for me. Here's truth, I believe. When I come to terms and deal with the sin that's in my life, now I'm ready to help others with sin that's in their life. Right? When I come to terms and deal with the sin that's in my life and raging in my heart, now I'm ready to help other people deal with the sin that's in their life. Now, there's one more verse, and when you read it, it seems so out of place in this passage. But it's so important to this passage. Because Jesus just said, hey, judge not lest you be judged. The measure you use, I mean, that's the way you're going to be judged. We get that. And then he goes to this whole experience about how can you, how can you say that you can, you can see their speck, and yet you got a log in your eye. How do you think you can go help them, and yet you got a log in your eye? And so we get that. So Jesus says, take the log out, and then, then you go, we get that. But then this, this verse 6 is a peculiar verse, because look what Jesus says. It's the wrap-up of this passage. He says this, do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs or swine, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, doesn't that seem a bit peculiar with the passage that we're reading? That all of a sudden we're talking about logs and specks. Now there's dogs and pigs that are mentioned here, right? Like, what's this got to do with it? Well, listen to me. This is important, and here's why. Because in this passage, Jesus tells us, one verse, Jesus is telling us and giving us insight on who we are to confront and who we are not to confront. Now, let me just real quickly tell you this. Guys, can we get those lights back on back there so they can see? Listen, here's the deal. Who we are and who we are not to confront. Jesus says dogs and pigs. Now, who is he referring to here? He's referring to non-believers. He's referring to those who do not know, care about the things of God, who are not following the things of God. Now, what is holy? Let's go to holy. He says, do not give to dogs what's holy. What's holy? Well, would you say that the truth of how to live our lives is holy? Would you say that? Only Janet would say that. Would anybody else say that? Amen. We'd all say that, right? And then he says, don't cast your pearls before swine. So would you, what would you say is valuable? Pearls are valuable. What's well, valuable? Is the truth about how we're to live our life, is that valuable? You better believe it. So what Jesus is saying is, listen to me, please don't miss this. It is not your responsibility to make judgment calls about people who are lost. It's our job to share the gospel. It's our job to, to love them. But lost people act lost. Amen? And when God changes their heart, their behavior will follow. See, who is the judge of the loss? God is their judge. In fact, you can write this down. You have to turn there. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12, I want to read this verse to you to support what I'm saying. Paul says this, For what have I to do with judging outsiders, non-believers? Is it not those inside the church whom we are to judge? 
God judges those outside, so purge the evil from among you. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, it's our responsibility to not judge those who don't know Christ. Love them, share the gospel with them, care about them, but God is their judge until they come to salvation. But it is our responsibility to make judgment calls about those who are followers of Jesus. So if you see someone who follows Jesus, who's deep into sin, are doing some things. In fact, it's as simple as this. Maybe you're, maybe you're at a restaurant, and you're passing by, and you see someone sitting that goes to this campus at a booth, and they don't see you, but you pass by, and you just hear them just kind of throw out a, a stream of profanities and just casual conversation. In fact, I'll just be honest. When I moved to St. Louis, there's like two or three words that I've used pretty intense curse words that they just throw out like it's just everyday language. I really struggle with that. And so maybe you walk by someone and they just kind of throw out a few words. Now, do you need to go to them condemning? No, absolutely not. But you need to look, okay, why did that bother me? Well, it's obvious why it bothered me. Do I know the whole story? Well, maybe not. But I need to make sure I keep my life in check. What sins in my life? And then I need to go to that brother or sister in Christ and say, hey, look, I love you. I care about you. Man, I blow it every day. But man, I was walking by and I heard this. Man, what if somebody knew that you followed Jesus and heard you say that? Would that repel them or embrace them? See, that's what it's supposed to look like, right? Now, how many of you are excited about doing that? Nobody. But it is our biblical responsibility. And so as we think about this issue of judging others, as we think about it, here's what I want us to understand is that we must make judgment calls. There are times in life when we know a sin that's going on. Listen, I have known couples that were part of the church I just came out of, a church that, I mean, they love the Lord. I mean, they, they, they had a relationship with him. And they, and I'm just gonna be honest, I'm gonna tell names, but they were cohabitating. And I knew it, I knew it. I'm just gonna it would be so easy as a pastor to go, Maybe I don't know it. <laughs> Maybe it's not really going on. But I love this book way too much. And I love God's standard way too much. And I went to them with love in my heart and said, listen, I blow it. I'm an idiot. I'm a moron. I'm, I'm a sinner. But man, people are watching you. We got to get this right. And you know what? They had all the best excuses in the world. That's some of the best excuses in the world why they couldn't. Why they shouldn't do it. At the end of the day, here was my conclusion. Listen. If you're going to be right before God and right before man, you've got to make this thing right. Either move out or get married. Period. Well, they got married. That went well. I can tell you a lot of stories that didn't go so well. And did I want to go talk to them? No, I was sick to my stomach. My stomach hurt. I could have taken all kinds of medicine because, man, I was dying inside. And I, but you know what? At the end of the day, it was my biblical responsibility, and we all have it. When we know someone in sin that's a follower of Jesus Christ, it's our responsibility to go, we must make judgment calls, and we must be willing to confront sin in the lives of other believers. But first of all, we must take a look at our life. Now, here's what we're going to do today is an invitation. Now, I want you just to stay with me. If you're with me, say, I got you. This is a tough topic. And some of you are going to have to go home, and you're going to have to digest this. You're going to have to reread it and go, oh, my gosh, I've never seen that passage that way, because I've always just stopped with the judge not unless you be judged, and I shouldn't judge anybody. And it's been different for you today. But here's what I want to say to you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, listen, we are not to judge you. Your Heavenly Father one day will. One day you're going to stand in a great white throne judgment. And you're going to be asked, what did you do with Jesus? Did you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? See, the hopefully one thing you heard as I went through this passage is that as we go to people, there should be grace, right? There should be compassion. 
and love. Listen, there's no one more gracious than Jesus. There's no one more compassionate than the Lord. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with him, one day you're going to stand in judgment. And you're either going to be embraced into his kingdom or you're going to be told, cast away from me forever, for I never knew you, which we'll get to next week. One of those two answers. And if you don't know him, I would encourage you to surrender your life to him today. So you know what? I want this Jesus who can forgive my sins. That my sins aren't greater than his grace. I want that guy. I want to give him my life and surrender him. If that's you today, I would encourage you to trust Jesus with your life. But if you're a follower of Jesus today and you know that you love him and you're living for him, I'm going to ask you to do something that's an invitation. I posted this on Facebook last night. And it was interesting to see what people thought these were. But this is your log, right? This is your log. And on the other side, we have taped a toothpick, which is a reminder of someone else's speck. And here's what I'm going to do. In just a minute, I'm going to pray for us, and the band's going to lead us. And I'm going to ask you, if you really understand that you have a biblical responsibility here for other believers that you know that are in sin, to go to them, taking the log out of your eye first, and then go to them out of loving kindness and compassion, I'm going to ask you, if you really understand that responsibility, and you really understand your role and how you're to do that, I'm going to ask you as a reminder at the invitation that you would come up in one of these two baskets and you would just take one of these home with you. Take one of these home, and here's what I want you to do. Take one of these home reminding you of your and my biblical responsibility. But second of all, take it home and put it somewhere to remind you that before I ever make a judgment call, I better check the log that's in my life first before I ever go address somebody else's speck. So that's what I want you to do today. If you're a follower of Jesus, I challenge you. Don't just rush up here. Think about that. Do I really understand my responsibility to other believers? Am I willing to take up that responsibility, even though it's painful and it stinks and I never want to do it? Am I willing to do it? And am I willing to take one of these and remind myself that before I ever address someone else's issues, I need to take the log out of my life first? And if you'll do that, I'm going to invite you when we pray and say amen and the music play to come grab one of these, take it home. Please don't put it in your drawer. You will never see it there. Put it somewhere every day that you're going to see remind you of your role, your responsibility, and the logs that we have in our own life so that we might address others. And listen to me. Why is this important? Because listen, healthy churches grow when people do this. Churches become more and more healthy when people take on biblical responsibility. So that's the invitation today. Let's pray together. Everybody stand with me as we pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're going to pray today. Father, I thank you for today. I know this passage is one of those we kind of look at and go, uh, it goes against everything I've been told. I've been told from the world. Don't judge. Don't have a position. Don't have an opinion. And Lord, I pray for believers in the room today that we would realize that those thoughts are not biblical thoughts. The Lord, that we were reminded today that there are specks in other believers' lives that need to be addressed. But we need to make sure that before we go address those, which is our responsibility, that we take the log out of our eye. So when we go, we will go with love. We will go with kindness. We will go with mercy. We will go with forgiveness in our hearts so we might build them up in their journey of faith. So God, I pray for that. I pray for those who know you and love you in this room today, that today they would leave this place grabbing one of these logs and toothpicks, leaving today acknowledging and recognizing that they have a responsibility, but also recognizing that we have sin that's in our life that must be dealt with. And if we deal with it, 
knowing we'd be reminded of your grace, but we will extend your grace. So God, I pray for that. I pray for maybe the one here today that doesn't know you, that they today they would receive the grace that you've offered. That today they would surrender their life to you. Today they would understand that the standard you've called us to is the standard you live by, which was a life of grace and compassion and forgiveness where your payment was greater than any sin we could ever make if we will just surrender to us. I pray for those who need to surrender. God, this moment is yours. May you impact us. God, for those of us that understand our responsibility and want to keep it in front of us and keep in front of us the sin that we've got to continually deal with, may you move us in this invitation to grab this peace as a reminder. We love you, Lord. Speak to us today. Move in our hearts and our lives. For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you feel led, you may want to pray. You can come pray. If you're ready to take on that responsibility, lightly, very seriously, not lightly, and really remember that we have logs in our own eyes, and we've got to address those first, I invite you to come and grab one of these and take these with you today. However the Lord's leading you, would you respond?